Applying for a job as a software developer, software engineer can be quite intimidating because of what's known as the technical interview. In this episode, we'll break down what the technical interview is and why it's so intimidating. Welcome to Copec Explain Software, the podcast where we make computing intelligible. So if our podcast has inspired you to become a software developer, you may find yourself in a technical interview. That's right. And a technical interview is just a part of the interview process. There's still going to be the normal part of the interview that you'd have for any job. Are you a good fit for this company? What are your best qualities? What are your worst qualities? Where do you want to see yourself in a few years? All the typical stuff is still going to be there. This is just an additional part of the interview process that test your skills and abilities in terms of the specific needs of the role. Other types of jobs may have technical interviews as a, as a part of them, but in this podcast, we're just discussing technical interviews for programming positions. So that would be someone interviewing for a software developer role or software engineering role at an organization. When someone's thinking about applying for these jobs as a software developer, getting ready for their technical interview, they'll often do a lot of preparation. Yeah, it's amazing how much people can prepare for these interviews. Some people prepare for months and they use online tools. There's websites like HackerRank and LeetCode, and there's a really popular book called Cracking the Coding Interview. People can really do a lot of studying and a lot of practice. What are some of the components that might be part of a technical interview? It can vary quite a bit. Let's talk about a few different forms that a technical interview can take. Some companies use multiple forms. Most companies choose one of these forms and just use it. One of the most common and most feared, I would say, is whiteboarding. Is that correct? Yeah, whiteboarding is basically you're given a programming problem, you're given a whiteboard, you're given a marker, and you're given a certain amount of time to solve the programming problem or kind of algorithmic or data structures problem on the board. And for those of you that don't know what an algorithm is or a data structure is, we did previous episodes on those, so I will put a link to them in the show notes. But basically, you have to solve this programming or algorithmic problem on the whiteboard in front of the interviewer. You're usually given a time limit. Maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's 40 minutes. And they don't only want you to get the right answer, they also want you to explain how you got that answer. In fact, to many interviewers, it'll be more important the method than actually the correct result. And so you're working out in front of the interview. It's a lot of pressure, really. This person's watching you. They're looking for your every move. They're judging you based on how you're solving a problem live. It can be quite intimidating. And these problems that you're doing on the whiteboard are not always directly connected to the job that you're going to be doing. While data structures and algorithms are really important, and anyone who has a CS education is going to learn about them in college... They're not actually what you do for the most part day to day in most programming jobs. In most software development or software engineering roles, you're going to do a lot of higher level work than you do in, let's say, a data structures or algorithms class. And so there's been a lot of criticism of these whiteboarding technical interviews. Are they really relevant? Do they really test if somebody's going to be good at the job? Another potential challenge that an interviewee might face is live coding. Right. So another form of this is instead of doing the problem on a whiteboard, you might be given an actual programming task in an actual development environment 
on an actual computer, oftentimes with some kind of rules in place so you can't cheat. So it might be that somebody's actually observing you. It could even be remote, but somebody is access seeing your screen as you're doing it. Or it might be in front of people and you're given again a limited amount of time and you have to actually get a program to work in this case because you're on a, in a real development environment. So this is really like a lot of time pressure if you work as a software developer, you're always going to have deadlines, but those deadlines will usually be days or weeks out. They're not going to be minutes away. And so it can be very intimidating, just like a whiteboarding interview, to have to code with somebody looking over your shoulder and in quite a compacted amount of time. Something a little bit different that could be part of a technical interview is just a portfolio. Right. So this is a little bit similar to an artist. If you're an artist or a graphic designer and you're applying for a new job, they're not just going to want to see your resume. They're also going to want to see your artwork. They're going to want to see previous pieces that you've created to see what your style is like, to see what your capabilities are. The same is true for a lot of programming jobs. Software companies want to not just see what your education is and what your previous roles are. They also want to see what software have you created. So it's not uncommon today for job postings to ask for your GitHub profile so they can see the open source work that you've done. We covered GitHub in a previous episode. That's right. And I'll put it in the show notes. But basically, it's a place to host some of your software so that people can see the software that you've created. A lot of people create personal websites that contain links or downloads to a lot of their prior software projects, and they call that their portfolio. So yeah, having a portfolio is actually a part of applying to a lot of technical roles, just like it is for an artist applying to a design role. Well, this one sounds kind of fun, but I doubt it's actually fun in a technical interview, but a brain teaser. Yeah, this is a little bit similar to what happens in a lot of consulting interviews. I remember I was applying for a consulting role right out of college, and I got a question, how many barbershops are there in America? And it didn't really matter if I got the right answer. It was, how did I reason about the problem? How did I try to come up with a number by using some kind of estimation skills? So brain teasers like that actually happen in quite a few technical interviews for software development jobs as well. One that's a really famous one that I know some of my students have had is about eggs and a building. I think it's called the two egg problem. And you want to know how many floors up the building can you go until dropping one of the eggs will cause it to break. Let's say the building is 100 floors tall. If you drop an egg on the 10th floor, will it break? If you drop an egg on the 50th floor, will it break? How many different checks do you need to do if you have just two eggs to find out the maximum floor? And we want to minimize the number of checks. Anyway, you can look that one up and find out the answer. It's actually pretty interesting, but you have to use some kind of problem solving skills, a little bit of math skills, and maybe a little bit of algorithmic thinking to come up with a solution to that problem. So these kind of brain teasers are actually not unusual in programming interviews. But again, like with the whiteboarding, how relevant are they to the actual job? Software development jobs are all about problem solving. So from that standpoint, they're very relevant. But is it the specific kind of problem solving? And a lot of software development jobs contain a lot of very mundane problems, problems that you don't need to be especially clever to solve. You need to be reliable and competent to solve. So again, people ask, how relevant are these brain teasers to the actual jobs? Are they just kind of a way of filtering out people that shouldn't really be filtered out? 
Then there might be a take-home project that someone applying for the position might have to do. Right. And personally, I think this is much preferable to a whiteboarding interview or to a brain teaser interview. The idea here is they give you a software development task to do on your own time. So it's not as much time pressure. There still might be a time limit. It might be, hey, you have six hours to complete this, or you have three days to hand this back in. There are pros and cons to this. Yes, it gets rid of some of that time pressure. And yes, it's a longer task. So it might be much more relevant to the type of software development work that the person will be doing at the company. But the downside is it's actually a lot of work. It's a lot of your time. Imagine you're applying to several different jobs and all of them are giving you this kind of homework and you're applying while you have family responsibilities or you have another job that you still have while you're applying for these It's actually just a huge amount of your time that can be sunk into doing these take-home projects. Is that really fair? Some companies that I would say are very responsible about this process actually pay people for doing the take-home projects. So imagine that you're actually applying for a job and you're getting paid for part of the interview. That does happen, and that might be kind of a fair way around this issue of how much time they take up. But there's also another issue for companies, which is what if people got help on the the take-home programming project? That can't happen on the whiteboarding interview. In the whiteboarding interview, you're there and you're under pressure and someone's watching you the whole time. There's no way for you to get help. On these take-home projects, technically, yeah, you could maybe look something up that you shouldn't have looked up or maybe a friend actually did it for you. So there are issues with take-homes as well. One of the other issues around technical interviews is the accessibility. Could someone with a learning difference or a disability do well in these interviews? Right. Let's take a really simple issue that somebody may have. Maybe somebody has an anxiety problem. Maybe when put under very specific conditions, they're prone to having an anxiety attack or just not performing their best because of their anxiety problems. That could obviously lead to you doing very poorly in a whiteboarding interview or in a brain teaser type interview, even though when not in that situation, you'd actually be capable of solving the problem. So that's just one example, but I'm sure our listeners can imagine other kinds of limitations that people may have or disabilities that people may have that may make them less likely to be successful in these type of interviews. So a question the industry asks itself, and unfortunately hasn't come to a good answer for, is are these interviews really fair to all the people applying? Are they filtering out some people that really shouldn't be filtered out? Do you see technical interviews changing in the future? There is constant conversation in the industry about whether these type of interviews should change. A lot of people dread them. I mean, I personally dread them. I teach a class on data structures and algorithms. I've written a book that is about algorithms. And even though these interviews, these technical interviews, largely focus on algorithmic thinking, I would still have to do a huge amount of preparation for any of these interviews. I would have to do months of study. I actually run at the school where I teach a group where students and I get together once a week and we practice some of these technical interview questions and problems. I would have to do that just like the students do, even though I have years of experience as a software developer and quite a bit of experience now in the world of algorithmic thinking. So I guess what that tells you is that even for somebody well-versed in the subject matter, maybe these interviews are testing more how well you prepared rather than how well you would actually do at the job. But unfortunately, as we talked about with the alternatives like the take-home, there really doesn't seem to be something that just checks all the boxes and has no issues. We need to test skills. Programming is about competency. It's about being able to actually write the program. 
It's not just about soft skills. And so how do you test hard skills? Nobody has a good answer to this question. I think the closest that we have is the portfolio. Looking at the previous work that somebody has done, if somebody really has a strong record of accomplishment, that's a pretty good indicator that I think should go a lot further than any kind of performance in a technical interview. But even that leaves some people out because what if somebody's a new grad? What if somebody worked at a company that was secretive and they weren't able to show in a portfolio all the great work that they've done? What if somebody has done great work at their job, but they have a family and they're busy outside of work and they don't have the time to be building up a big portfolio? How are you excluding them through that type of process? So every one of these angles, the portfolio, the take-home project, the whiteboarding interview, they all have problems. None of them are perfect. And I think that's why the industry hasn't gotten to the next level and found really a better alternative. I think some what I've seen some companies do is they're kind of doing a combination of all of them, not necessarily weighing too heavy any of them. But at the same time, now you're also putting people through even more time, even more different kinds of hurdles, even if each of them doesn't weigh a tremendous amount. What advice would you give to someone who is going in for their first technical interview? The best advice is to practice. The best advice is to go get that book, Cracking the Coding Interview. It is to go on Hacker Rank or Leak Code and do practice problems. I've seen that for myself when I've practiced in the past and I've had to do these kind of interviews, but also for students, the students who do the most practice, they do the best in these interviews. And it's kind of like preparing for the SAT, right? Um, You can actually improve your score on the SAT quite a bit by practicing and taking practice tests. The SAT is, some people say it's an IQ test. It's not just an IQ test. It's also a preparation test. So are these technical interviews. And I guess that's the only good thing we can actually say about these technical interviews when we consider all the different problems and all the different ways that there are issues with them. They are actually showing that somebody is able to focus and prepare. And that is something that's really critical in a software development job. You need to be able to be focused and you need to be able to manage your time well. And so in order to do the practice for these interviews, you have to do that. So I guess that is one thing that they really are testing. All right. Thanks for listening to us this week. Rebecca, how can people get in touch with us on Twitter? We're at Copec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Good luck on your interviews.